Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media. So be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now enjoy the message. We're in a series called On the Road, On the Road. And this morning I want to talk about something that every one of us deal with, and that is the subject of road rage. Road, and I don't elbow anybody right now, but I think everybody in the room, to some extent or another, at some time or another, have dealt with a little anger when you get behind the wheel. Have you noticed people who drive faster than you are idiots, and people who drive slower than you are morons? Have you noticed that? Don't you wish everybody could drive as well as we drive? Wouldn't that be amazing? We could be the example, the standard by which all people are measured, but that's just not how it works. In fact, road rage is actually a term the media coined in the 90s because there were so many cases of aggressive driving that were being reported, and so finally they just said, well, the, the best way to describe it is it seems like people are raging on the road. They're just, they're road raging. And so that idea kind of, Took, on, took and took on, and people now kind of understand what that means. In fact, a statistic I read from the highway department said eight out of 10 drivers regularly experience road rage. Wow, eight out of 10. I didn't think we were that high in those percentages, but anyway, there you are. Um, but it's interesting to note that that is something that, uh, that we deal with. I, I saw where a Christian psychiatrist said, Part of this anger and part of this hostility is seen within the church family. He said that on any given Sunday, at least one out of three, one-third of everyone attending the church are angry <laughs> about something or they're angry at someone, one out of three. Look at the person to your left right quick. Just check them out. Look them over. Look at the person to your right. Let me ask you a question. Do they look mad? No, that it might be you <laughs> if it's one in three, right? If that statistic is true. So I want to talk to you a little bit about this because this really is kind of a big thing and it is a, a big issue. In fact, you won't be surprised to know men have a bigger problem with road rage than women. Any women surprised about that? Nobody is surprised. And the greatest group that deal with road rage are men between the ages of 29 and 39. So if you're in the zone, baby, this one is for you. National Centers of Biotechnology came out with a report where they said, stress and anger have increased since COVID. Their statistics said before COVID, about one in six reported dealing with high levels of anxiety, uh, stress uh, that resulted in anger. Since COVID, see how much better we're doing now? One in three <laughs> are saying that they deal with that, which it kind of dovetails to the psychiatrist I just quoted and his statistic about one in three in the average church. So what I'm talking about is really something we all deal with. In fact, the late great Zig Ziglar talked about a business executive on his way to work who was stopped for speeding and it just made him angry. And so he didn't take it out, obviously, on the police officer, but when he got to the office, he chewed out his sales manager. The sales manager didn't respond angrily to his boss, so instead he went to his secretary, and he chews his secretary out. The secretary then goes to the receptionist, and she begins to chew the receptionist out. The receptionist then took on a very slow burn, and by the time she got home, she sees her 12-year-old boy playing video games and not doing his homework, so she chews him out. The little boy is starting, storming out of the room, starting back up to his room, and a cat crosses his path, so the little boy kicks the cat. 
Well, Ziegler said, wouldn't it have been a lot simpler if when the business executive got his speeding ticket, he would have just gone to the receptionist's house and kicked the cat himself <laughs> and not disturbed so many people along the way? Well, that's kind of how anger works, isn't it? I mean, it starts in one place and it ends up somewhere else. And what I want to talk to you about are different levels and different types of anger that we deal with. Some types of anger that you and I deal with is anger we can, we, we can handle. We, we can reel it in and we can deal with it. Uh, I hear somebody say, oh, I just can't, man. When I'm mad, I just go off on whoever's around me. I can't control my anger. Well, I don't know about that. Have you ever been in a, a, just an angry, heated debate with somebody or just a big argument with someone? Maybe you're just going off on the kids and your phone rings and you answer the phone and you go, hey, how are you doing? Oh, no, we're great. No, I'm so glad you called. And all of a sudden, the person you were chewing out, their head spins around. Well, if you can do that, that means that there are certain types of anger that you can control. But there's other types of anger that's tied to other issues Sometimes it's anger that it comes out of stress and depression and anxiety that might be something going on neurologically in a person. Sometimes it's a chemical imbalance that may be uh, being manifested ultimately in some type of, of anger, this, this rage that comes out in people. Uh, sometimes it might not be uh, something physiological. Sometimes it might be something rooted in emotion, unhealthy emotion. It might be tied into some abuse that a person went through in life and they've never really processed their past and they've never really dealt with that issue. Instead, they've repressed that. They just pulled that anger in and now the anger kind of bubbles up from time to time. It's like being on the big island in Hawaii and you go up to see the volcano. You see there are these little pockets of steam that pop up every now and then. And what those pockets of steam are telling you is something beneath the surface is seething. Something beneath the surface is just boiling. And then you get around to the point and they'll let you go so far, but you can actually see the lava flow where the lava is actually coming out of the mountain. And I think about that when I think about people who repress, repress their anger, or their hurt, their frustrations and their, their feelings. When you repress that and you don't deal with it and you don't get help for it or healing from it, then what happens is you have little pockets of steam that pop up in your life. And you begin to take it out maybe on people who were not even a part of the, the problem, so certainly they're not going to be part of the solution. And then sometimes it's not the pockets of steam. Maybe somebody cuts you off and all of a sudden that was just the wrong person at the wrong time and now the lava begins to flow. And now all of that anger comes out in a way that you, you kind of surprise yourself by what you just heard yourself say or what you just uh, saw yourself do. So anger is something, guys, that we all have to deal with. There's none of us in the room that are exempt from this. And so I, I just hope through the message you can identify what level of anger that you struggle with and maybe what the source of that anger is. And then before you go home, I hope you, you can get a game plan. So you can deal with that. Second Peter chapter one, I, I want to give you one of the tools that I hope will help you. In Second Peter one, verse five, the Bible says, make every effort to add to your faith. Now understand, according to Romans 12, verse three, when we started out in our relationship with God, we all started with an equal measure of faith. The Bible says God has dealt to everyone the, not a, the measure of faith. Here's what that means. That means it didn't take more faith for you to come to Christ than it did for an atheist. 
It doesn't take any more faith for, for you to come to Christ if you were raised in church than someone who never attended church. God has given each of us an equal measure of faith. We all have enough faith to receive him. Now, why is it then that some people seem to achieve more or accomplish more in the realm of God's purpose for their life than others? Does it mean God has favorites? Does it mean God has just sort of predetermined some people are going to be effective for him and, and others aren't? Well, I don't believe it at all. I think everyone in this room has been given an equal measure of faith. The difference is, is in what we do with that faith. Now back to my text. He says we're to make every effort, get this now, to add to your faith. What are we to add to the faith? Goodness. Goodness is that quality that causes us to treat one another correctly and rightly and justly. Goodness. Uh, he says add to the goodness knowledge. Now there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is something we get on our own, reading good books, uh, seminars, learning from other people. You gain knowledge. Wisdom, according to James, is something that comes only from God. Wisdom is the knowing how to apply your knowledge. Wisdom is knowing when to speak up and when to shut up, when to stand up, when to sit down. Wisdom is that. Wisdom is, as we say in Texas, horse sense. Because <laughs> I know people who have more degrees than a thermometer but can't get out of the rain when it falls. So wisdom doesn't, doesn't mean knowledge, and knowledge doesn't mean wisdom, you need both. But here he's saying, add to your faith this goodness and how you treat one another, and to that goodness add knowledge. You need increased awareness. And then to knowledge, and this is going to be the focal verse, uh, the word that I use, is self-control. Self-control, he said, add perseverance. Now perseverance is an inter interesting word, it's the first cousin to our word endurance. Here's what perseverance means. It means the ability to hold up or to withstand pressure, a burden. Here's what happens when you pray. Whenever you pray, God will do one of two things. He will either lift the burden from you or he will give you the strength to carry the burden. He will either take it away from you or he'll give you the ability to, to deal with it. Now, the ability to deal with it is called perseverance. Some burdens will never be lifted from us. Some things will never make sense this side of heaven. So what do you do? You persevere. You gotta have that one in your toolbox, okay? So you have goodness and you have knowledge and you have self-control, you have perseverance, and then to perseverance you add godliness. What is godliness? Break the word apart. It's just God-likeness. You see, the holiness is not the way to God. God is the way to holiness. The way you have godliness in your life is you press into him, and the closer you get to God, the more of his qualities he can develop in your life. So you have godliness, God-likeness. To that, add brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, he said love. All of these things need to be in the tool bag of the Christian if we're going to grow in our faith. What I would encourage you to do, if I can just say this kind of parenthetical to the message, is look those things over and try to identify, are there any of these areas not really prevalent in my life? Am I missing something on one of these? And I think a lot of us, if we're dealing with anger, might be missing something under self-control. Notice what he said in verse 8. If, 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 if you possess these qualities, not everybody does. These are not qualities that determine whether you go to heaven or not. That's in your relationship with Jesus. There can people, there's a lot of people be in heaven that won't have a lot of these qualities in their life. 
So he's saying if, the possibility you won't, but if you possess these things in increasing measure, notice what he said, they will keep you from being ineffective or unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus. In other words, as you gain knowledge of knowing how to love people and treat people, if you add these qualities into your life, they guarantee you're not going to be ineffective or unproductive as you, uh, as you live out these principles of God's Word. Verse 9, if you don't have these, you're nearsighted, blind, you're forgotten that you've been cleansed from past sin. So here's the challenge before us this morning, and the challenge is to really examine how we're dealing with this area of self-control. And particularly, I want to talk to you about how it relates to anger. The first thing is obvious I want to talk to you about, and that is it's possible to live a life out of control. I mean, it is absolutely possible to get off-road, <laughs> to go off-road, and just live your life with no boundaries and live your life completely out of control. Now, here's a healthy measurement that we all ought to follow. Just as we ought to look at the qualities that First Peter talks about and see if those are in our lives, we also ought to consider the fact that we have three important components that make up uh, our life. According to 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Every one of us are made up of three things. You are a spiritual person, you are an emotional person, and you're a physical person. You, you, you have a, um, a mental capacity, and you have a spiritual capacity, and you have a physical capacity. And if we're going to be productive, then we need to be healthy in all areas of our life. So that means we have to evaluate, how am I doing spiritually? Am I healthy spiritually? How am I doing physically? When's the last time I had a physical? When's the last time I really checked? How am I doing physically? How am I doing emotionally? And oftentimes your emotional health is tied into mental health. As I said, sometimes these issues that affect that part of our life could be related to abuse. Sometimes these issues that affect our life could be a, a, a related to some chemical imbalance that's going on in our life. And so I see people sometimes when they spiral out of control and they spin out of control is oftentimes you see the, the result or you see the symptom, but you don't always see the cause. And sometimes we treat the symptom and we never get back to the cause. And if you're someone who just struggles with this, I, I had a friend of mine tell me one time, we were just talking, and he says, Bill, he said, I'll be honest with you, I'm angry all the time. <laughs> I don't know why. He said, I'm just angry, I'm just angry all the time. He said, it affects my relationship, it affects how I parent, it affects my business relationships. He said, it doesn't take much at all for me to go off. And, and so he, here he was identifying the result but, but he's never probed deep enough to find out the cause. And so I'm suggesting to your heart, it is easy when you don't deal with these, these issues that affect your life, it is easy for your life to eventually spiral out of control. A study from Duke University said anger is the, the specific personality characteristic that causes physical illness. Did you hear that? Duke University. It is the specific personality characteristic that causes physical illness. Your anger, not dealing with that emotion in your life, just being out of control, will eventually affect your physical health. Listen to St. John's University study in New York. It reported, now this is going to be a shocker, men and women become angry in different ways over different things. Hold on, let's all stop just a minute. Wow, did you write, should I give you a minute to write that down? Is anybody unaware of that? 
The study showed, this is great, men get angry at, more at abstract things. Um, the economy, politics, the ball game, or mechanical objects like the car or the computer. Men are typically going to deal with their anger in two ways. Men will either become physically aggressive or they become um, passive aggressive. But they're gonna deal with it one or the other. Physical aggressive is obvious, yelling, shouting, slamming a door, throwing stuff, saying stuff's not real sanctified. <laughs> passive aggressive is just not keeping your word on something, not agreeing to do what you agreed to do, not, not doing rather what you agreed to do. Passive aggressive. Now, that's the study of uh, St. John's concerning men. Here's what they found about women. Now, this was a shocker. Cindy and I were married 42 years before she went to heaven, so this, is, this blew me away. Women usually get angry at people more than things in their life. Oh, goodness. And here, here's the part of the study that shocked me. They tend to stay angry longer than men. Woo, wait a minute. Holy cow. Did you know that? Was, is it just me? They tend to do that. Let me read on before I get any deeper than I already may be now. Women tend to take dramatic long-term action and most of them vow never to forget it, <laughs> not to speak to the offender. And sometimes the study said women tend to overreact. What? No. I, I do not believe that. I don't believe it. I, I can give you an anecdotal example, though, that might support that. Have you ever noticed two men can get into an argument? I mean, they can get nose to nose to each other. They can just dog cuss each other. Not that that's right, but they can just get real mad at each other and they can do all that. And all of a sudden, one man will look at the other man and go, are you hungry? The guy goes, yeah, I'm hungry. You'll go eat. Yeah, let's go eat. And they go eat and guess what? They're done. They're over it, right, men? We're done. We're over. We said it. We're done. We're over it. Let me tell you what happens when two women go nose to nose. There ain't no lunch. For a long time, there ain't no lunch. Cindy used to hate this illustration, but I, I, it was the best one I could get. When, when a man gets mad, he gets over. When a woman gets mad, it's like turning off a jet engine. You all right? It's. <laughs> it takes some time. And that's what the study discovered, which I thought, duh, anybody in a relationship knew that. But it's interesting to have that supportive data, if you will, because the point is we all deal with anger. We just deal with it in very different ways. But the Bible says in Proverbs 25, 28, that not dealing with anger, not having self-control, not knowing how to control the anger in our life is a lot like a city that is broken down and without walls. Now, Solomon's illustration of a lack of self-control, um, of, of just, the, 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 just raging at people and being angry, he said uh, it, it, it's like the city without walls. Now, those ancient cities had walls for security. The enemy couldn't slip in and, and take advantage of them while they sleep. They were for security, and by the way, they were for serenity. There was just a peace of mind that came about knowing I'm living in a fortified place. So I'm suggesting that the analogy that Solomon is using of someone who can control their emotion is like a fortified person. You're a, you're a safe person, you're a safe place, and you're a serene person, you're a, a peaceful person. 
People are drawn to that type of personality. Your family feels secure in your presence because they know you can control your emotion. But conversely, somebody who isn't, who's like the city without walls that's broken down, people will eventually saturate your presence with their absence. Nobody wants to be around someone like that. And so I'm just suggesting to your heart that what we ought to do is look long and hard at how God made us with this emotion and ask ourselves, are we healthy in this area of our life? It is just as significant as your spiritual life. So it is possible, it is possible to be, secondly, in control. Now, the greatest example of anyone who's completely in control is the example of our Savior himself. God is always in perfect control. And by the way, God will use several things to help us bring our emotions in control. He uses physicians. God will use medicine. God will use counselors. And he always uses prayer. And I have to say that to you. Some of you are probably thinking, well, I, I'm, I'm, duh, that's not another epiphany for me. But I have to say that because there are a lot of church people who when you start talking about struggling with, with some mental issues or some stress issues or some depression issues or particularly, like I'm talking about this morning, some anger issues, they automatically link it to a lack of faith. You just need to pray harder. Well, don't give up praying, but I'm just saying sometimes it has nothing to do with the spiritual side of you. Sometimes it has everything to do with the physical side of you. There may be something chemically going on. There may be some imbalance in your life that's creating the source of this, this anger. And the Bible doesn't forbid anyone to seek medical treatment, much less does it forbid you to go to a doctor. It's not a lack of faith. It's a sign of common sense. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan I talked about last week in Luke 10? It said the Good Samaritan came along and he did two things to the man that was beaten up. He poured oil on him and he gave him wine to drink. Now, if you understand the culture of that day, oil was often used as a medicine. Uh, many of them believe there were some antimicrobial qualities to the oil that could actually assist the healing of a wound. And so they would pour the oil into a wound and then wine was often used as a sedative, like a painkiller. They didn't have the advances as we have in medical science. In fact, when you read uh, Proverbs 31, verse 6, it says, give strong drink to those who are suffering and those who are hurting. What was he saying? He's saying, give them some pain medicine. <laughs> this patient needs to be sedated. They're in pain. What, what's I'm, what I'm driving? I'm driving at the fact the Bible is very practical on these issues. Don't get more spiritual than the Bible. The Bible teaches the value of medicine. The Bible teaches the value. And sometimes to treat what's going on that's causing the anger, you need to swallow your pride and take your pill. <laughs> and I'm just suggesting to your heart that some of these things are rooted in a physiological uh, component in our life. In fact, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 12, Matthew 9, 12, Jesus recommends you go see the doctor. He said, those who are sick have need of a physician. Well, Jesus acknowledged it, man, if you get sick, I'd go see the doctor. <laughs> so you have these two examples. Another one is uh, Proverbs 11, verse 14. It says, in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. So I've got my doctor in place. I've got the medications that I need in place. Now I need to go get some counseling. I need some ongoing therapy. 
I've got these anger issues. My wife or husband, you've been, your kids have been telling, your coworkers have been telling, your friends have been telling you, dude, you, you've, got a real, you've got to get control of this. It's affecting it. Okay, now I've, I've, I've gotten a physical. I'm, I'm checking in to see this, the origin of this. Okay, I've got the doctor in place. I've got the medicine in place. Now I'm going to get some therapy. I'm going to get some ongoing therapy that might help me because the Bible says there's safety in a multitude of counsel. And I don't know why it is. It seems like men are more hesitant and resistant uh, to get help even more so than women on this one. I mean, I, I'm not a counselor. I play one on Sunday. <laughs> but I talk to a lot of people. And I try to advise people concerning their spiritual life. And when it gets out of that depth, then I refer them to someone that can help them in a psychological or a, even a psychiatric world. I, I try to push them. I don't, I don't try to give advice. You don't want legal advice from me or medical advice from me either, by the way. <laughs> so I recognize I'm a limited resource. But I've talked to a lot of people, and what I find in talking to people is women uh, pick up on this issue as a factor affecting relationships quicker than men. A lot of times a man won't realize, I really need to deal with this. I need to see the source of this anger. I need to understand this. This goes back to some abuse I suffered with as a child. Is this just something chemically that's not right with me? Uh, or is this just a self-control issue that I'm just not taking the steps necessary to reel that in, and they don't deal with it oftentimes until the suitcases are at the door. <laughs> and she says, I'm gone. And he goes, gone? We have a problem? She says, I've been telling you for months. And that's where I get to step in like the guy falling the elephant with a shovel. <laughs> so I'm trying to give you some preventative medicine here this morning. And I'm trying to tell you, listen to the people who know you best and love you the most, and if you end up saying, man, I, I am struggling with this. And if it ends up being not something related to something that's within your personal control, that you can change some habits and disciplines and relationships, if it ends up being something that you've gone through as a child or something you're dealing with, uh, you know, maybe chemically, swallow your pride and deal with that. Man, your car breaks down and you don't know how to fix it. You go to a mechanic. You, you, don't, you don't feel less because you have to go to a mechanic. You get the flu, you don't feel less because you have to go to a physician. Something breaks in your home and you're not able to fix it, you, you don't feel less because you have to call in someone to repair that. I'm saying, man, when something goes on in your head and you're in your thinking, you, it's not less of anything to say, I need help with this. I'm struggling with some stuff, man. I, I need to get healthy in this area. It's affecting my life. And the Bible gives us a way whereby we can live our lives in control. And the secret is the last one. You, you have a life out of control. You have the example of Jesus who's in control. And, and then you have where we need to be. And that's to live our lives, thirdly, under control. Under control. The word self-control, by the way, comes from two Greek words, which means a fixed position and strength. So put that together, a fixed position and strength. So the, what's indicated in the original, self-control is being able to maintain your course, a fixed position. It's the ability to stay in your lane. It's the ability to keep under control. It's the ability to control your emotions. It's the strength you need to be able to do that effectively, successfully, continually. It is self-control. In fact, the Bible says um, in Ephesians 4, he says, verse 26, be angry, but don't sin. Now, there's no sin in being angry. It's what you do with it. You see, I said a moment ago, don't repress the anger. 
Now, don't go off on everyone. If they're not a part of the solution, I'm, I'm sorry, if they're not a part of the problem, they're probably not going to be a part of the solution. So if it's someone, if the source of your anger is directed towards someone, then remember the principles we talk about on, on a healthy confrontation is find the right time, find the right tone, find the right turf, and then simply speak the truth in love. And once you've found the right time, tone, turf, and once you've speak the truth in love, remember this, attack the problem, not the person. That person loves you, they care about you, or they wouldn't give you the time. But, so don't turn it to them. Put, attack the thing that's created this breach between the two of you. Attack the problem, not the person. And look, once you've done that, let it go. Release it. Part of forgiveness, by the way, by definition, is release. Release. Just say, hey, we've dealt with this, we're dealing with this, so I got, and sometimes you have to do that every day. Remember, I shared with you the principle when the Bible talks about blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I taught this months ago. The pure in heart, the Greek word for pure is katharos. <laughs> we get the word catheter from that word. Yes, we do. And a catheter is the device that removes the impurities from the body. Is that close enough? To, uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> and I'm just suggesting to you that your heart needs a process to remove the impurities. And one of the most powerful ways to do that is through releasing. Releasing, letting things go. Sometimes to let things go, it requires some medication. Sometimes to let things go, it requires some counseling. Sometimes to let some things go, it requires the care of a physician. Sometimes a psychiatrist to give you the tools you need to be able to let things go so you do not poison your heart. Because out of the heart come all the issues of your life. So you got to ask yourself, how, how healthy am I? I talked to a lady one time a few years ago, and she gave me permission to share the, kind of the takeaway from our conversation. But the takeaway of our conversation is she shared with me how angry she had been. And much like my friend I told you a moment ago who said he was angry all the time, that was kind of her thing. She would just, she said, I just can't, I don't know where it comes from. Well, as she talked a little more, come to find out, it came from some abuse she had experienced in her life. And as we talked even more, here's what we discovered. The person she was angry about had been dead at that point for 20 years. For 20 years, she was given that jerk permission to continue to hurt her. She was continuing to hold on to something that was hurting her and had no effect on him. That's God's going to deal with him. So I'm just suggesting sometimes, guys, you just have to have an honest look at yourself and say, I'm not going to be good for anyone if I can't get healthy myself. And one of the best places to start is by honestly evaluating how you're doing with this area of, of our emotions, our emotional health. Let me give you this and we'll go home. In Mark chapter 3, you're introduced to a very famous apostle by the name of John. But when you meet John, he's called the son of Zebedee. And his nickname is a son of thunder. <laughs> you talk about a little road raging probably boy, little anger issues. Look, if your nickname is son of thunder, you know, that tells you something. Son of thunder, John would go off. Give you an illustration. After John became a follower of Jesus, Jesus was making his way back to Jerusalem and the shortcut, the shortest route to Jerusalem was through the land that belonged to the Samaritans. 
Well, the Samaritans hated the Jews and had no dealings with them, so the Samaritans didn't give them permission to pass, which means Jesus and the boys would have to go way around Samaria to get where they were going to go. It would take a lot of time, a lot of trouble, a lot of energy. And here's what John's counsel to Jesus was. Why don't we call fire down from heaven and burn them out? Isn't that that sweet? He just wanted to call in an airstrike. Let's just nuke them. Problem solved. Son of thunder. But wait a minute. Just keep tracking with John. By the time you get to the Lord's Supper, you remember that famous painting of the Lord's Supper? Remember when they all got on the side of the table for the picture and you got that, that famous painting? You remember the apostle that is laying over, he's depicted as laying over, he's, he's kind of embracing Jesus at the table. You know who that is? Not Simon Peter. I mean, Simon Peter, he never really dealt with his anger issues. You see in the garden a few hours later when the high priest came to arrest Jesus, he pulls his sword and cuts Malchus, the high priest, head of his guard. He cuts his ear off. Honestly, I think he was aiming for his head and he hadn't been to the range, so his aim was off a little. He got an ear. Boy, he'd spend more time on the range. So he got his ear. My point is Simon Peter was an angry dude. But John, on the other hand, he changed. He's depicted as, in fact, John refers to himself many times as the apostle Jesus loves. And by the way, no one wrote more about love and loving people than John. Son of thunder, angry, burn them out. So let's love everybody. Let's love them with the love of Jesus. What happened? He added to his faith. He grew. He grew out of his anger. He grew to love people. And my prayer is, guys, you'll come into the fullness of all God has for you, that you'll enjoy the joy that he has for your life. You can experience it spiritually, physically, emotionally, that you can be the best you God ever designed you to be. And it begins with looking at ourselves honestly and dealing with these issues openly so we can get healthy again. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to talk shop. All of us this morning struggle. None of us are perfect. We all deal with stuff. We'll get in the car, probably get mad before we get to the restaurant. So we're, we're all struggling here. But Father, help us now to be more aware. And for some of us on a deeper level, help us to be more determined to take the next steps to get ourselves healthy. I pray for my friends this morning who may be struggling. It's affecting a relationship. It's affecting their parenting. Some of it may be affecting their ability to be a good grandparent. Father, I pray you'll help them dig deep and look and see what is the source? How can I get a path forward? How do I get a plan to get healthy again? And I pray they'll just draw a line in the sand from this service and stay going forward. I'm gonna be the best person. I'm gonna be the healthiest person I can possibly be to bring my Savior all the glory through my life. And finally, Lord, if there's one in the room who's never trusted you as Savior, I pray this will be the moment right where they are, where they'll humble their heart and say, Lord Jesus, with all that I know about me, I now trust all that I know about you. Come into my heart, forgive my sin, and I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.